Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how tool use and language go hand in hand. Cody wrote that one. And why black holes are getting bigger thanks to the expansion of the universe. I actually wrote hand in hand, pun intended, hi-yo, <laughs> but it's close enough. Let's satisfy some curiosity. In a series of clever experiments, researchers have discovered that two seemingly different traits share a lot of hardware in the brain. Could it be that language and tool use are different expressions of the same thing? See, once you know how to use a tool, it's hard to explain how you do it. I mean, sure, you can describe each step of a process in literal terms, but someone who's mastered a motor skill, like knitting, isn't thinking about that. They just grab the needles and knit. It turns out that the cognitive structures that make humans so good with tools have a lot in common with the ones that make us so good at language. Both skills rely on the ability to process information that's structured in a hierarchy. Here's what I mean. You pound a nail by picking up a hammer and swinging backward and forward. But it's not so simple. Each one of those actions depends on a whole series of sub-actions. During the forward swing, hand muscles have to maintain the right pressure, and wrist muscles have to hold the correct angle, and arm muscles have to accelerate and then stop. Each of those sub-actions depends on a series of sub-sub-actions, and so on. Well, language works similarly. Every long and complicated sentence is really just a simple one with a lot of detail. Adjectives, adverbs, and clauses give hierarchical structure to information. Researchers thought these similarities might also exist in the brain itself, so they used fMRI scans to compare people's brain activity while they used tools to their brain activity while they tried to understand complicated sentences. They found a ton of overlap in a brain region called the basal ganglia, which is well known for its role in motor control, but also plays a part in a lot of other functions. Okay, so there's overlap, but does that mean that getting good at one skill makes you good at the other? Well, to find that out, the researchers had people practice the difficult task of using long-handled pliers to manipulate small pegs. Next, they tested the participants' linguistic abilities by asking them questions about simple and more complicated sentences. The group who practiced with the pliers got better at the linguistic task, but those who learned without a tool didn't. And get this, the learning transferred both ways. Participants who practiced understanding complicated sentences got better at using the unfamiliar tool. This research shines light on how members of our species became so good at communicating with each other and manipulating the environment. And the results have practical use, too. The researchers say their insights will contribute to therapies that help people develop or recover language abilities or fine motor movements. When people say language is a tool, they are more right than they realize. Black hole mergers are some of the most dramatic events there are. Scientists have detected several of them. But recent observations have shown something weird. Many of the black holes involved are much larger than expected. Since black holes are so massive that not even light can escape them, 
scientists need to observe them indirectly. Luckily, there's a useful way to do that, thanks to predictions made by Einstein's theory of general relativity. It says that massive disturbances like black hole mergers can cause ripples in space-time called gravitational waves. Scientists have actually measured the tiny gravitational oscillations emitted by these events. When they did that, they found that many of the black holes involved in mergers were extremely massive. See, we know that most of the massive stars that collapse to form black holes are around 40 times as massive as our sun or smaller. So that's how big they expected the resulting black holes to be. But that's not what they found. Many of these black holes were more than 50 times as massive as our sun, and some even weighed in at over 100 solar masses. Researchers have been looking for a possible way to explain this difference. New research from a group of American scientists has suggested one possible explanation, that these large masses could be explained by the expansion of the universe itself. See, most of the time, scientists ignore the expansion of the universe in their modeling of black holes. That's because the equations that describe the universe are extremely complicated, and it's easier to model behavior in a simpler universe. But these equations don't capture the full behavior of the objects in the universe on longer timescales. They're missing some of the detail needed to make accurate predictions. When you're dealing with an event that lasts just a few seconds, the accuracy lost is reasonable. But since there might be billions of years between a black hole's formation and its eventual merger, scientists needed to add those terms back into the equations. The more finely tuned modeling showed the black holes gaining mass as the universe expanded. It also predicted that there would be many more black hole mergers than we originally expected. And both predictions match our current observations. While it might seem far-fetched to say that the expansion of the universe itself is what's making black holes grow, it's actually a relatively simple explanation. It doesn't need any new physics to explain what we observe. Scientists hope that the new models can be used to deepen our understanding of other cosmological events on large timescales, too. So, the next time a black hole says it's self-conscious about its mass, make sure to let it know that it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just the expansion of the universe. All right, Ashley, let's recap today's takeaways. Well, we learned that the same human brain structures involved in tool use are also involved in language. And getting good at one skill can make you better at the other. Scientists figured this out by comparing people's brain activity when they used tools to their brain activity while they tried to understand complicated sentences. And they found tons of overlap. Then they had people practice a difficult tool-based task and found that they got better at a linguistic task than people who didn't practice using tools. I think this is wild. <laughs> I don't... There's not a lot else to say about it, right? Like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I remember the last time I was using a tool and got better at language. <laughs> but apparently it, it happens. Maybe. Whoa, Cody. Maybe all this talking on a microphone is making me better at saxophone, which I feel like is a tool, right? It's like there's motor control that I'm using to play the saxophone. And because I'm talking so much. So does that mean all this talking is making me better at Final Fantasy XIV? Probably. And probably all that video game playing is making you better at your job. <sighs> That's why I've always been such a good talker. <laughs> it's because of all those hours growing up playing Chrono Trigger and Star Fox 64 and Legend of Zelda series. 
All that good stuff. Oh, I played Star Fox 64. There's someone there's someone with a gruff voice in that game. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> he like talks like that. <laughs> Peppy hair. Oh, Maybe. Oh, the I guy know. who's like, do a barrel roll. Maybe. Yeah, do a barrel roll is the classic one, right? Falco Lombardi, who's like, gee, thanks, Fox. The sarcastic <laughs> one. I don't even know. Never mind. Let's move <gasps> on. General Pepper. Ah. General Pepper, the dog-like animorphic, anim- <laughs> the dog-like anamorphic animatronic, what is it? Ad- anthropom- anthropomorphic. Yes. <laughs> There we go. So good at talking, both of us. It's great. We're proving it right now. It's true. It's like at the start of the game when he's like, it's about time you showed up. Yep. It's about time you showed up, Fox. You're the only hope for our world. And while he's talking, his mouth only moves because they made his whole head vibrate. Because it was N64 and that was... I know this is going to be a very controversial thing to say, but I actually think Star Fox 64 is the best Nintendo 64 game. I think that's... I mean, better than Goldeneye? (sighs) See, Star Fox 64 holds up. Okay. Yeah, sure. Goldeneye, some people busted out at a New Year's Eve party that I was at like six or seven years ago, and I picked it up and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever played. It was unplayable. (laughs) Wow. I mean, in, in its time, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it was the game. It was the game. And mm-hmm. I, I recognize that. But boy, it has not aged well. Good to know. Yeah. So as you can tell, N64 was the last time I was like really into video games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I've infuriated all the Zelda fans out there, whether they're in the Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. Ocarina of Time was a fantastic game. Breath of the Wild was fantastic. Haven't played Majora's Mask, but I'm sure that's good, too. Good talk. Good talk. This is very, re- very relatable. Very relatable. Yep. So we're here for. Hey, we also learned that black holes might be more massive than we expect because of the expansion of the universe. Usually scientists leave out the universe's expansion from their models because it makes things complicated. But an American team added them back in to model black hole formation and found that, yeah, black holes are actually gaining mass as the universe gets bigger. So my friend sent me a text last month. There was a picture of his son wearing what looked like a NASA space suit. This is early December. He said in a group text with all my best friends. And one of my friends was like, well, is he going to space camp or what? My friend's son is like five or six years old. And my friend said, just a costume he has. I gave him my old computer flight stick. And now he flies his bunk bed, which is an X-wing, to Mars every night before bed. He has to fly through an asteroid field every week. And that reminded me of how much kids love space and probably black holes. And you should look at the world with wonder. And we should all see the world through a child's eyes. I'm learning this so much with my son. He's one. He just runs around the living room. He'll throw a ball and then just laugh maniacally for like (laughs) five minutes and then just run after it and throw it. And it's like, I want to be that again. And I think we should all strive to be that again. So whatever goals you have this year, like look at the world with wonder, like what you like, think what you want to think is cool and everything can be cool if you care about it. So I get it. Listen, my big challenge and the thing that I always strive to do in this job is to keep that Ashley who was new to science and didn't know any of this stuff and was first learning about every single thing that we talk about on the show I try to keep her in my identity and be like, what would she 
find cool about this right now. So even if I've done a million stories on black holes or a million stories on the microbiome or something, it's really important to me to remember what a newcomer to that subject is going to find cool and then just really dig into that. And it's hard to do, but I think it's important. For what it's worth, I think you've done an excellent job and I will endeavor to uh, live up to that as well. Well, thanks. Yeah. Today's writers were Grant Curran and Brianna Brownell. Curiosity Daily is distributed by Discovery. Do a barrel roll. Then join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.